Welcome to the Bloom Where You're Planted podcast from Never Too Late Cafe. I'm your host, Laura Womack. Each week we sit down for a chat with someone just like you, someone who had an idea, a passion, a dream, or sometimes just a thought and planted that seed, watched it grow into something they wanted to share with the world. If you have an idea for a topic or someone that would be a guest for the Bloom Where You're Planted podcast, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook where you can join our Never Too Late Cafe Facebook group. We'd love to hear from you. I have two very special guests with me today. I have Kim and Dan Colon, and I trust I'm saying it correctly. Yes. <laughs> well Good done. job, Laura. <laughs> so, so great to have you here. Um, you guys do a, several different things. So we're just going to jump right into your story and tell us where you currently live. We live in Louisville, um, near Iroquois Park. It's a beautiful area. And we live on several acres and it's wooded. We sit back off the road and uh, I'm looking out back right now and you see um, my big garden uh, and our barn, but it slopes up a hill and it's wooded and you see dappled light and the different colors of greens as the sun comes through the trees and it's just beautiful. And in the front yard, <laughs> I... Um... I entertain the deer. I feed the deer. <laughs> I, I get sometimes as many as 18 deer. Oh my gosh. I can pretty herd. much walk right up to them. And there's, they're so peaceful. And so mm. it's such one. This is a peace field. Everything about this area is extremely peaceful. Yeah. And that's what we call our place from time to time. We call it peace field, which is what uh, John and Abigail Adams called their farm was peaceful. Oh, okay. And that's in Louisville, Kentucky. So yeah. is that where you guys are both from no. originally? No, my father was in the service. So I was born in Germany. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So, and then, um, you know, we bounced around in my family from state to state and uh, ended up in um, Fort Campbell and my mother said enough is enough we're buying a house here and we are staying here and if you want to go you go and so he fulfilled his uh military obligations uh going to different places like Germ back to germany and such but we uh lived a comfortable life at fort campbell so that's my home and what state is that in in tennessee oh okay yeah clarksville, clarksville. tennessee Okay. Take the last train to Clarksville. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Kim, where are you from originally? I am a Delta girl. I'm from Arkansas. I'm from the Flatlands. And um, there's it's very, very rural. There's um, when I lived there, the unemployment rate was quite high because there really wasn't a lot if you weren't connected to farming or banking or a drugstore <laughs> or a grocery store. Um, and so I moved here in 1989. Uh, I went to, um, I, got, I got my bachelor's degree in economics in Arkansas 
and then I got a graduate degree, um, University of Missouri Columbia, and in, in ag agricultural economics. And then I moved here in 1989. And except for living in Springfield, Illinois area for two and a half years, I've lived here the rest of my yeah up till now. <laughs> <laughs> In the area, I did live in southern Indiana for quite a number of years, but to me, southern Indiana looks just like Kentucky. Well, from Arkansas flat to the hills of Kentucky. Yes, I, I love the hills. When I was growing up, I, I found that in the wintertime, that flat and there, there's really not much green you might have some pine trees or something like that but the grass isn't like here in kentucky the bluegrass you have some color of some sort pretty much all year and i found it depressing and like a drag on my soul <laughs> i absolutely love it here um i i just i just do mm. so since we talked about your little farm so mm -hmm. what other um, you, you've shared on Facebook, some other things that you raise. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and I am from a farming background. My brother still farms. My father still farms My my uncles, my cousins, my grandfather, his father, um, uh, all, all farms. So it's very natural to me. Um, I have a normal type garden where I have tomatoes and broccoli and squash and um, mustard greens and chives and different things. And then um, we also have chickens and we have chicks. We have 10 chicks out there right now, um, little babies. And then we have five uh, Rouen ducks. They're from Rouen, France is originally is not those ducks, but their lineage is from France. And the males, when they're mature, will look very much like mallard ducks. Oh, okay. And they're the, they're the cutest things. They're fun to watch. Very cool. So I can see why that's your peace field. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> um, you both do art. Can you talk about the type of art you do and... I think Dan should go first. He's because he had a career in marketing and went to school for art and has been art a long time. So I'm going to let him go yeah. first. I started off as a sculptor and realized, um, boy, I'm not sure if I'm going to make much of a living as a sculptor. So mm. I decided to um, get a degree in advertising. And um, that became actually a wonderful thing to do. It, of course, it had its stress, you know, time frames and all that stuff. But all in all, it felt good to see some of your own work um, out everywhere. You know, if you if you can understand one of the things I'm most proud of, it's one of them, is the fact that uh, the um, KFC bars, the red and white bars that you see on the KFC Kentucky uh, Fried Chicken uh, logo. That's their corporate logo, and I did that. I just took it off their. I, I took it off their uh, their bucket. I thought, why not just use stripes, you know? And I I came up with something that was universal. In other words, it could 
it didn't have to have KFC next to it. It could just be a symbol that could be international. And, and, and you know what I mean? It was simple to yeah. recognize. And uh, that was a successful, very successful piece. Wow. Like and, the McDonald's M, you don't have to see yes. the word McDonald's, you just That's see the exactly M. Right. Or the yeah. golden arches, Nate, now call them. <laughs> nah, <simple>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what one. sort of art do you do now? I, I'm an illustrator, so I do very detailed drawings of um, historical figures, for instance, uh, Lincoln's, and I'm working on a piece right now, it's uh, General Grant, and what I do, the way I approach art, is I try to capture the essence of their being, and oftentimes the essence of their being is found in their eyes, because their eyes mm -hmm. tell the story, so I really focus on putting their eyes and um, and once you see the drawing, you see sometimes the sadness, you see sometimes the conniving aspects mm -hmm. of their being or uh, the insecurities of their being. And um, it really, really does tell a lot uh, when you look at some of these drawings. So I feel very good about that. So how did you get interested in doing sculpture and art in the first place? What influenced you? Of course, it started in high school. Uh, somehow or another, I, I, I helped um, create some art for uh, a float or whatever that we had going on at the time. Uh, our high, uh, it was a high school football game you know and i i they, and everybody was going oh my gosh you can draw i said oh okay <laughs> and so i i thought well why not get into art classes and once i started the art classes i realized boy i do have a gift in this and they were all asking me to teach them how to do what i was doing naturally and uh, it, it, it was really wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful to realize that, by golly, you're a right brainer. You can't do math, but you can do art. <laughs> and so I started pursuing art um, with a lot of vigor and, and you know, I, I started having fun with it. And, mm. and it started defining who I am. And Interesting. I didn't know that about you at all. <laughs> so, Kim, sculpture, you are... If I may, the sculpting mm -hmm. came from a professor who I was helping, uh, and he, he, would, uh, he would have me carve out of wood uh, certain things to, to create the shape of a sculpture that he was working on, and all he would do is draw an oval, and I would plan that out, and before too long, there stands a big, beautiful, tall figure uh, carved out of wood, uh, carved out of stone. And it was really wonderful. And uh, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud that he took the time to, to educate me in, in the field of sculpting. And so then I started sculpting out of plasticine and, a car, and then having that turned into bronze. So the, that's that's how that. So what is plasticine? It's a clay. It's clay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it melts away when you uh, 
after you've um, after you've casted it in in um, what is that um, plaster? Uh, it it literally you know the plaster stays and the plasticine melts away when they heat it up. So it's really oh. yeah. So I, I'm talking too much. Your turn. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> So, Laura, did you have something you wanted to ask, or do you want me to just... Um... Well, describe your um, your art and how you got started and your influences. Well, um, as far as art, I actually did my first painting when I was in elementary school, um, actually. <laughs> my mother um, uh, took oil painting classes from a lady, and my mother passed that on to me and uh, unfortunately the painting the first one i ever did is lost i have no idea what happened to it mm. um you know i'm sad about that but you know there it is um she also taught me how to do um some embroidery and, and cross stitch and i do have my first um kind of cross stitch embroidery were, were holly hobbies um, okay mm -hmm. And actually, I, I did quite, I remember sweating bullets over the French knots. Um, <laughs> those were tricky. But I did oil painting and then, you know, being a kid, distracting, distracted with other things. Um, I didn't really paint a whole lot. And then I, I got into um, marching band uh, when I was in high school. And then I picked up the brush again um, for some reason in my you know, later teens. I really don't know how old I was, 16, 17. And I painted a few pictures and my mother was very much into realism and being very precise and very detail oriented. And me being a teenager, I was kind of the opposite. <laughs> I liked things to be a little more abstract. Uh -huh. um, and I took a few lessons um, and then kind of dropped it. Um, I did. I, I did drawing, but they were all cartoons. I drew political cartoons, believe it or not. Um, and then uh, some political cartoons like Doonesbury, you know, just for fun, um, kind of doodling around. I took art class, but I really, I, I did not believe in myself really in any shape, form or fashion when I was younger. So I, I, I won a poetry contest, um, kind of fortunately, unfortunately. Um, I wrote a poem about cowboy boots and I won, like I said, I won an award for it. And I remember being so excited and scared after I got it, I thought I will never write a poem as good as that again. Mm. It really shut me down because everybody made such a big deal out of it. And then when I went to write more poetry, I was trying to duplicate that. And right. I didn't really, I didn't have a mentor at all. I was doing all this stuff on, on my own. I wrote constantly um, when I was younger. I was always feeling, filling notebooks and doing research. And, uh, you know, it was, in my opinion, all garbage, but, you know, I, I had fun. Um, and I love to write. And then I went to college and I thought I, I really wanted to be a photojournalist for National Geographic. Mm. Is fully what that was my dream job. And of course, my parents were like, you like to eat, right? Yeah. 
So I went into um, business, general business, and I, it just wasn't my thing. And then I took an economics class and I loved economics because I, I have a research brain, which uh -huh. had all the years of going through, you remember encyclopedias, we didn't have the internet. Right. And I would research my books, you know, so it all kind of tied in. And, but, you know, when you're in school, I, I was a voracious reader um, when I was younger. I'd read like one or two books a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Oh my, wow. <laughs> yeah, I read The Count of Monte Cristo um, and Charles Dickens, The Three Musketeers. Um, I love Emily Dickinson. I read all kinds of the old classics. Faulkner, I, I would write like Faulkner, <laughs> you know, um, and Steinbeck and um, just, you know, loved it. But then I had to read all those economics books and I didn't have time anymore. And I didn't have a piano, you know, when I moved away from home. My piano was my best friend when I was growing up. Mm. And uh, I put so much emotion, but I never played off page ever. I had a Dan Fogelberg songbook and that's what I played the most some hymn, hymn music, church music, but also Dan Fogelberg. So anyway, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Absolutely. So have you been able to um, feel more confident in your poetry since then? I was shut down for a long, 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 long time for various reasons. And I, I kind of, I, I really met Lee Pennington before I met Dan and, but it was close to the same kind of time period. And it was a period where, you know, my son was independent. Um, he hadn't graduated from high school, but you know, I was getting to that age to where, you know, you have that stirring of the kids grown, mm. you know, yeah. they're flying. They're, they're, they're using their own wings. Now I need to use mine because I never had. Right. And uh, I started writing poetry again. Um, you know, Lee Pennington really en encouraged me and somebody like Lee Pennington, you know, I, I sent him a few snippets and he's like, you're good. And I'm, and I made the mistake of saying, Oh, are you just patting me on the head? Oh my gosh, Lee was so mad at me. <laughs> he said, I don't pat people on the head. He said, if I say you're good, you're good. Um, I don't know, he might listen to this broadcast, but that is the best thing he could have said to me. It meant so much to me that, you know, he, somebody of his stature and he is so good and he, he's such a beautiful person. Um, and then, you know, Dan came along and we met and we started writing poetry back and forth and wow, I just sparked and I became prolific. I wrote hundreds of poems and uh, well, new love can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah, I wrote a lot of poems about that. And then I also, Dan encouraged me to reach back to things that disturbed me in the past. Mm. And um, what is it you say, get rid of the guineas? Yes, uh, let the guineas, <laughs> let the guineas out. escape, yes. So, the guinea hens. Yeah, I'm yeah. working on uh, a book of poetry 
and um, I, I have probably enough poems now in place. It's halfway edited. Um, I have about 20 poems. I need to go back through them and really look at them again and revisit that. So it's, yeah, that, that was my dream when I was younger was to write a book. Okay. Well, um, never too late, right? Exactly. That's kind of a motto. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yours too. I think yeah. <laughs> one reason why we connected when we, when we met. Mm. Yeah. Mine started much later, but yeah. So um, then songs, you started playing music. So when did you start playing music together? About three years ago, maybe. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, ish. Ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in a band called the Fab Two. And, um, you know, Dan's played music really all his life, one way or the other, you know, informally in family. His family are, they're very musical. His sister and his brother are amazing singers as well. The, the sibling harmony is amazing uh, between uh, wow. Dan and his brother Ivan and his sister uh, Cindy. Um, amazing amazing sibling harmony um so i hadn't been too i was so scared to sing i actually took voice lessons a little while before i met dan and i was so scared the first lesson that the only way to get any sound out of my mouth was to turn my back to the voice teacher and i'm not oh. kidding mm. i'm not kidding i was almost in tears um and she was so beautiful, such a beautiful person, beautiful soul. And I trusted her mm -hmm. implicitly. And she got me over um, much of that. And she taught me a lot of techniques and things. I had only sung in the car, really. Um, and then um, I ended up joining Fab Two, which, you know, they, they asked me to, to help them on harmony because of COVID um the person who was doing a lot of the harmonies needed to bow out because of uh, a situation where they didn't need to be exposed to covid and right. we were you know or dan was gigging out some and so i was like i've never sung harmony in my life and so i learned harmony from from that experience um so that's I, as my son said, I went from the kiddie pool to diving off the deep end. Wow. <laughs> That's a great analogy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I, I dove right off the deep end. So you guys typically do covers, but you have written some of your own. Yes. Oh, gosh. We love to write. Dan has a deep catalog. Of songs, original songs. And, and I encourage her to to write and express herself on the piano. And I, I think when uh, she plays the piano and, and I'm encouraging her to um, just let something happen, I'll, I'll say, butterfly. And then she'll start playing something that sounds like a butterfly flying from one flower to the other. It's mm. so beautiful. And I would say other things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I definitely encourage her to, to oh, grow. Oh, for sure. 
Stay tuned next week for part two of our time with Dan and Kim Colon. So as our time comes to a close, remember to keep creating, keep sharing, and keep supporting each other. And remember to bloom where you're planted. Bye for now.